Due to COVID-19, this podcast has been recorded remotely. We therefore apologise in advance for any issues in relation to sound quality. However, we hope you find the episode useful and thank you for listening. Welcome to the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insights Podcast. In this series, I'll be talking to business leaders from across the world of work who will be sharing their expertise to help you effectively lead your business, both now and in the future. Since the beginning of the global COVID-19 pandemic, our work and personal lives have drastically changed. Boundaries between the two have become increasingly blurred, as many of us have been forced to work from home for an extended period of time. For those who are also parents, the added pressures of juggling childcare and homeschooling with leading their teams through this time has been both fulfilling and demanding on a number of levels. So today, we're joined by Hayes UK and Ireland directors, Gail Blake and James Milligan. Both have been working from home with their children over the past few months and are here to share some of their advice on how leaders can effectively manage their team members who have childcare commitments alongside balancing parenting themselves. Hi both and thank you very much for joining me today. To kick off, it would be great if you could both introduce yourselves, um, explaining a little bit about your roles. Gail, could we begin with you? I'm Gail Blake. I'm a UK and Ireland Director for Permanent Appointments um, across our 23 market specialisms, which is what we call them. So ultimately, if you're a customer that's looking for a permanent role across the UK and Ireland or a client who's looking to recruit permanently, then you'll fall under my remit. I've been with Hayes 20 years, um, having joined shortly after I graduated. And with reference to our subject today, it's probably also worth mentioning that I have three sons who are aged 11, 9 and 4. Great. Thank you so much, Gail. And James, um, over to you. How long have you been at Hayes? Uh, what's your current role? Oh, I've been with Hayes for over 20 years. And my current role, I have responsibility for the technology businesses across the UK, Ireland and EMEA. So that's contracts and permanent recruitment. And I also look after our professional services business, James Harvard. And what have been your experiences of working from home with children so far? It's been interesting, um, that, that, that's for sure. Uh, it's been demanding. Um, it's been very um, rewarding. None of us envisage the situation when we'll be working from home five days a week um, for sort of eight to 10 hours a day. And I've got a seven-year-old, a six-year-old and, and a two-and-a-half-year-old. So my seven-year-old and my six-year-old are, I'm not going to say self-sufficient, but certainly more independent and need less hand-holding. But having a two-year-old at home has been... Uh, been interesting certainly you know doesn't understand the situation and and requires uh, a lot of uh, love and attention um, um but it's been fantastic because um i've been able to sort of see him grow and develop at the start of lockdown he could speak one or two words and now he's speaking the full sentences and having full conversations so i suppose that's been one of the benefits and um gail the same question to you how have you found working from home as a working parent so similarly to James, I think it's had joys and challenges in equal measure, to be honest. I've really enjoyed seeing my children more. Like James, I, I travel a lot normally for my role. And so I would have been away a couple of days a week normally. Whereas actually now, obviously being at home all the time, I've really been able to see them grow and develop every day. I think that's more noticeable with my four-year-old, who's my youngest, who should be going to school in September, hopefully. And I've really appreciated that special time with him in particular, because obviously he will be going to school in September. However, this has been counterbalanced with moments of, you know, real intensity, because that's the reality of, of working from home with children during a pandemic. 
you know, trying to navigate, you know, myself working from home for the first time for a long, uh, that's not something I'd experienced before. Also trying to navigate having my children at home full time because normally they're in a school setting or they go to preschool, et cetera. And I think trying to navigate your and their emotional reactions to a pandemic, because that's something I've never had to deal with before. And I think also while all this is going on, you're trying to kind of deal with the practicalities of running a household while at the same time have very limited freedom of movement. We've got a bit more movement now. But so I think none of this has been normal. None of those things I've just listed have been normal. So I've just tried to approach this as a just completely different challenge that just needed a new set of answers that maybe I'd never dealt with before. But that's kind of how I've had to deal with it. Now, with many leaders across the globe managing remote teams as a result of the COVID-19 crisis, this presents, of course, some very difficult challenges, particularly for those who have childcare commitments. Um, Gail, what do you think are some of the most common challenges? I think it's just the practicality to try to do our job while balancing having the children around. Most of us have never actually had to combine the two together before. We're at work at the office there in a childcare setting. So I think it's where you're having to blend them together. And sometimes, by the way, that works and sometimes that doesn't. And I think the challenges on those days where you're feeling like for whatever reason, you're not getting the balance right or there's just these real moments of intensity where maybe you've got quite an intense moment at work and exactly the same time, your children are very, very demanding on you. So I think it's those moments of intensity that make it feel sometimes quite challenging. And other times, it feels fine. And do you have any advice you can share which may help parents keep their children entertained throughout the working day? It really does depend on the age of the child. I mean, my children are very different ages, so they have very different needs. I've got, um, you know, 11-year-old who's very self-sufficient and, and, and does his own homework all the way down to a four-year-old who needs a lot more interaction. Regardless of the age of the children you've got, it's about having a structure. I think that's so important. And, and it's not just for them, by the way, it's, it's for you too. I think that children really crave routine, structures and boundaries. That's what they'll get, you know, in any childcare setting, being clear with them about what is everybody's timetable today, maybe for that day or for the week, and being quite clear about when you are going to be available and free for them, but also times when you're going to need to have a bit of your own time to do work is quite important. I, like James, I have a, my husband works, has an equally demanding job as I do. So we're in this dynamic where we're also having to work it out as couples as to how best to, to deal with it. And I think, you know, sitting down and, and assessing that together really helps. When it comes to the kids, just a mixture of being physically active, schoolwork, you know, quite creative time, whether it's cooking or painting or something like that. Having dedicated quiet time, you know, that not just the kids, by the way, I think parents need that too. Time when you it's okay to be on a screen but also time when you can do something together as a family and really kind of bookmarking that whether it's you know really sitting down as a family to have dinner together or whether it's watching a film or doing some sort of activity together and it's kind of I think just trying to balance all of those things that somehow gets you through that working day. And James how important has establishing a routine been for you to help overcome some of the challenges we've just discussed? It's been very important. I think just to go back to the point that Gail just made, one of the things that myself and my wife do is we share our diaries. Okay, so we know when we have important calls or meetings, right? So we we do our best not to book um, those at the same time because they generally tend to be uh, major stress points. But sometimes it's unavoidable, right? And all you can do is um, 
is set expectations at the start of the call or the meeting that you know you may be called upon by by one of your kids during that um having a routine just going back to girls point is really really important the kids i mean the, the, the kids actually crave routine we're lucky in ireland that things have started to to open up a bit in in recent days but my daughter just said to my wife yesterday evening because she's now back in camp because they can go to camps that she just she's delighted to be back and have some sort of semblance of routine and normality and generally speaking we, we, we've sort of we've come up not by design or by accident um with with a routine in our household which um it's typically me getting up first in the morning, doing a bit of work, getting up with the youngest who generally wakes up first, getting him fed. He might sit there and watch a bit of bit of television or whatever while 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 I can get some work done. And then the other two will come down and they'll make their breakfast. Um, they're generally pretty independent. Um, and that's actually quite a good productive time for the day because people are busy getting prepared for the day and um, myself and my wife can get on and do a bit of work. And then the mornings for us have been sort of school learning time. You know, we try to stick to the same routine that they would normally have. That's a combination normally of in Ireland, they have uh, the, the school and the television. There's learning that's coming via the applications um, from schools. Some of it just for the youngest might just be you know, building blocks, building, building something, doing something creative, but generally having all three of them at the same time, trying to do something in terms of learning and, and, and development. And then what we'll do is we'll sort of break for lunch. I generally sort of make my lunch while, while, while my wife cracks on and the youngest will have a little nap. And again, that's another window for us to get some work done, get some focus. And then in the afternoons, um, it tends to be a bit more of that creative or so that playtime. The longer the day goes on, if there's any semblance of sunshine or it's not raining too heavily in Ireland, we're, we're out and about at least for an hour in the afternoon doing something, you know, doing something that's outside the four walls. We've been very lucky because... This week in Ireland, childcare crashes start to open up. So in the mornings this week, my, my youngest is in childcare and the two eldest are able to go into camps. So we're getting to the point now where that school routine, because we're in the summer holidays in Ireland, they, they start a bit earlier than they do in the UK, um, has been replaced by, by this, uh, this summer holiday routine. And actually, this week's felt the most normal it's done for quite some time. Now, they're back in the afternoons because obviously there's restrictions to numbers and ratios and social distancing and, you know, camps are not being run in the same way they've done before. But it's certainly helping in terms of us getting a bit more balanced to what we're doing. And then in the evening is really important. We sit down every evening and we eat together, right? And, you know, we, even if it's now, sometimes it's difficult because of the age to, to get the youngest to sit down. But even 20 minutes, half an hour sitting down, eating together, talking about how we're feeling. You know, some days, as Gail said, some days are great and everything works and everybody's happy and, you know, not by design, but, you know, things go well. And there's other days when there's, there's, there's big um, pressure points as well. So I think it's important to be able to have those conversations. And the other thing I think is important is, and again, this tends to happen more in the evenings, is just trying to have a bit of one-to-one -one time with each of the kids so they're not lumped in. Um, in the group of the, of the, the three, especially the two eldest, um, because the, the youngest obviously demands attention because he's the youngest and, you know, he's not self-sufficient. Whereas the other two, you know, it's time just to you know talk about how they're feeling or just doing something together and making sure that you have that one-to-one -one bond uh, as well as that group time. Thanks. Sounds like you both have to be very organised doing all of this and balancing it all. Yeah, we're used to spinning plates. So I think <laughs> because we have jobs with a lot of breadth and, and we, we're running lots of projects, I suppose in, lot, in some ways that helps, right? We're used to doing mm. a lot currently and being organised. Well, I won't speak in girls' part, but I, you know, my view is we're both quite, quite naturally organised people, right? And yeah, we, we can get things done. I, I just can't imagine doing it without a degree of structure. I, I don't think it'll work for the parents and I don't think it'll work for the kids. James, 
how can leaders support their team members who also have childcare responsibilities? Uh, for example, helping them establish a routine. I think first and foremost, you sort of have to, have to, you have to lead by example, right? And be quite open about your own situation. The reality is when you when you have children around, especially you know, young children, right? You know, there's a lots of lots of unpredictable elements, even you know, older children, teenagers, different types of unpredictable elements, right? So I think the first thing is sort of creating an open dialogue and saying, look, it's okay. We understand that this is not a normal situation. We don't expect you to carry on working in the normal way. My working day is much longer than it normally is, with many more breaks, right? In it, right? So actually. It's been quite a productive time, funny enough, because you have to be extremely focused and you're responding to what's going on with the pandemic and you're trying to, you know, you're, you're trying to pivot your business according to it. Right. But the reality is, you know, you, you can't neglect your family. Um, it's a really important part of having everything in balance. So I think, you know, having an open dialogue, the open conversation with, with people around um, their own personal circumstances, sharing what's worked for you, but also sharing some of the the, the more challenging times, right? We we're having a laugh before we came on here because we met, we had a meeting with a with an organisation this morning, and the CEO, myself and Gail, were both on the same call. And for once, it wasn't one of our children in the background who who was uh, the person asking their, their their daddy if I could do this or have that, right? But I think you know, just accepting that and letting people know it's okay is absolutely fine. And also, I think it's a big release if you're going onto a call you've got a big presentation and, and the kids are in the house and there's nothing you can do about the way they make behave or, or just explain it at the beginning that my kids are here they probably won't come in the truck but they might do and if they do you know so be it i was given a webinar to 80 uh, clients a few weeks ago and my six-year-old my five-year-old at the time just turned six decided to come and have a chat with me halfway through and there was nothing i could do about it because his mum was on the phone as well but the feedback from the people that were in was just that you know they're you know everybody either has experienced the situation like that themselves or they're working with something that has and it's just accepted you know we're all in it together that's the way we have to be with it with our staff and where there are challenges work through them try and come up with solutions to if they are find it difficult to do the work that they have to do right well, how could we approach it differently? You know, what is there a different way we could solve the challenge that we have that is maybe by thinking a little bit differently around how we approach it? And Gail, do you have any other useful tips which can help parents uh, working from home overcome any challenges? I mean, I totally agree with what James has just been saying, actually. And I think it's important to know that even on a bad day, this is going to end and things will get better. You know, I think that with this pandemic, I've really tried to keep my, high, my eyes on the horizon the whole way through and knowing that it is going to end. It's going to have a beginning. It's going to have a middle. It's going to have an end. And I think sometimes just reminding yourself that this isn't forever. I found at times where I found this really quite intense, that has really helped me. I really agree with what James was saying. I mean, it, it, weirdly, the, the part of the reason James and I started writing a blog together was sort of unofficially we started sort of just talking to each other about how we were dealing with the fact we both got three children and it turned into us writing a blog together and, 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 and snowboard from there. Being open to talk about it with your colleagues as James said, and, and sort of putting yourself in a place where you can, where it's okay to say that you're struggling or asking for help and, and asking people for practical advice. I mean, I remember James suggesting at one point to me, when I, was, I was talking about my sons and he was like, he, he said, what about swing ball? And honestly, I now have in my garden a sort of homemade swing ball because of just something that James said to me. So I think 
it's about being open enough with the people around you to say when when there's moments where you're you're, you're struggling. Uh, one of the other things that we've done as a family, which has helped us almost to evolve the way that we've worked together as a family, is. We sit down and we started doing this actually funnily enough right at the start of, of lockdown and we're doing it ever since, which is we do win, learns and changes. I mean, the four-year-old kind of gets it, doesn't, but the, the other two, my other two really do. And me and my husband do it as well. And we talk about what we've learned in that day and what we've, but what we've won. I think it's important that you build on what's working. And I think taking that moment to go, actually, this worked and this was great is important. I think acknowledging what you've learned because, you know, it doesn't always go well and kind of saying, well, I've learned this today and that's important. But also to try and quickly identify what you need to change, what's not working for you. I mean, we found this a really reflective conversation and it, and it allows all of us as a family to come together and to contribute to it about how as a family we're going to make this work. And I think, you know, some of our kids have come up with some great suggestions that me and my husband are like, right, well, we never would have thought of that. So it's about just being open and being reflective that can help sometimes those really intense moments. And over the past few months, have you found any ways that help you and your teams remain productive whilst you're working from home with children? Honestly, I just think it's about what's finding what works within each family. I mean, for me, it was, it's quite interesting, actually, because James and I have never discussed this bit before. But I was listening to him saying about how he gets up early and how they've got a structure in that way. That's exactly how me and my husband have worked it as well. You know, I get up first. And, you know, so for me, there's certain times of day where I've got certain deadlines or things I need to do. And so I know I'm quite productive first thing in the morning. So I get a lot of stuff done while it's quiet, while the children are still asleep. And I have that sort of really put in sacrosanct that that's the time when I'm going to work. So I think that that to me, it's about really on certain times saying this is a time where I need to be going on with work. But I also think there's times where you need to be obviously more available to your children and more visible to them, like you're more obviously around for them. So I think as a leader, and I know this is picking what James said, but I think it's really important that you're understanding and supportive of other people who are trying to get that balance right themselves. I actually have to say, I love it when I see children come onto calls that I'm hosting. I actually genuinely do. I've got to know James's kids now. And not just James, it's actually lots of my colleagues' children. It sounds really odd, but I'm actually really pleased, not with everything else that's happened, but I'm really pleased that I have actually got to know, because I feel like I've got to know them as a, as a more sort of overall person because I think the way they treat their children says a lot about them actually so I really love it when children come on calls that I'm on and also I have to say I've been on calls with my four-year-old sat on my lap and that's okay too so it's just I think we've all become really understanding about it and I think when those moments are intense just remember that everybody else is just willing you to do okay you know and, and, and hoping that you do. I really love seeing my colleagues' children. It's uh, It makes you feel a lot closer to everyone at a time when, yeah. when I feel quite distant. Now, one of the flip sides of this, of course, is that many listeners may feel overstretched when dealing with uh, a whole host of commitments in their professional and personal lives these days. Do you think that this pressure can lead to working longer hours, as James said earlier, but also potentially result in burnout? And can you share any advice to help limit the risk of this? Yeah, I think that's really true. In fact, I found myself at a point in May where I realized I was uh, losing, potentially losing both my sense of humor and my sense of perspective. So I, I guess what I would say is most people in their life have, have got colleagues who are also friends. They have a unique perspective, actually, because they understand the company culture you work in, but they also understand you as an individual. 
we all have those people. And I think if you do speak up and share your frustrations, because when you share that, you're actually inviting for them to give you advice and actually listen to their advice. And and for me, in the case of when I was talking about in May, I was talking to a colleague, actually, it's based out in Spain, you know, and she just turned around to me and just said, look, when was the last time you actually took some annual leave? And I had realized at that point, I'd actually not taken anything more than two consecutive days annual leave in the whole year. And this was the end of May. I think you have to treat annual leave differently when you're at the moment. We have to. I made a pact to myself that I had to sort of change from trying to do this as a sprint and actually run it as a marathon and almost change my mindset, which was whereas normally I might log on a bit or check my emails on annual leave. I really needed to take that break that week off. I really needed to make myself, you know, take that break so I could recharge um, so even though I was holidaying from home, so the, the temptation was massive, I really made myself sort of take a step away. So I came back and I really was refreshed and that actually worked and it did happen. I also think, I know we haven't, I know James and I've been talking a lot about how we've been managing, helping each other, how we've been, you know, helping our kids, how we've been working with our partners on this. But I think it's also actually really important to emphasize having time on your own. I used to get up very early because I had quite a long commute. And so I still get up really early. I've not changed my alarm clock. And what I do is I get up really early and I go for a run or do yoga every morning. So I do some form of exercise and then I start working. Because if not, with the children I have and how busy our life is, I don't actually get any other time to myself. And I think if you don't spend time on your own, you don't get time to clear your head. Now, for some people, I know for me, it's doing yoga or running. But for other people, it could be, you know, staying up a bit later and watching television or a good book or whatever it is. But I do think you need to take time for yourself as well, if you can. It's very easy not to actually when you're a parent. Thanks, Gail. James, in some countries, those who may be expected to return to their workplaces in the coming weeks and months could be concerned about how they'll manage their childcare commitments when this happens. How can they mitigate these worries? It's a very good question. So because I look after some of the European countries, there's already people back in the offices in, in many of those countries that are ahead of us. And I, I, and I talked about you know, the situation in, in, in Ireland. And obviously it's unique to everybody. Circumstances are unique to everybody. Yeah, I mean, in Ireland, there's a very clear roadmap in terms of childcare opening up, and I suppose it like it's dependent on how what what the clarity is around, you know, what the guidelines are, sort of country by country. So we we know now, what we 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 have a situation where our youngest can return to crash under certain criteria, and that we phased over a period of time until we get back into full time care. Now, not everybody's necessarily going to be fortunate enough to be in that situation. Some people might be dependent on grandparents who might be vulnerable, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I think it's really important that, uh, you know, any employer who has people that's working for them has empathy towards that situation. I think, and this is a really key consideration for me, is you have to treat both parents, both the mother and father, with, with equity in that situation. I think there's a temptation, I hear it when people are in conversation, not necessarily within business, but culturally around it being the mother's role. The father can go back into the office. But yeah, then how, how as a mother are you going to be able to manage that? Well, it's not it's not the mother's problem. It's a family issue, right? Everybody's in it together. And I think for me, that's critical. You know, the employers acknowledge, you know, that it's not a gender issue. It's a family issue and they approach it accordingly if there's flexibility that, that is required. That's the first thing. The second thing is, the hybrid is being established as a way to to work, right? You know, we, 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 we've all shown over the, the last three months that 
we can be trusted, we can be productive in this virtual environment that we're operating in. Yeah? And we're not going to have a situation, given the guidelines anyway, where everybody's going to be back in the office on day one. So we need to we need to work out, and every employer needs to work out how they're going to navigate this this hybrid, this blended world moving forward, right? And what flexibility that offers, right? Because in fact, right, there's lots of evidence to suggest if somebody's not commuting for two or three hours a day, or I'm in myself and Gail's situation, getting on the plane at um, or getting up at four o'clock in the morning to get a flight to somewhere in Europe and coming back, you know, two days later at ten o'clock at night. We could actually be equally or if not more productive using that time over video, right? Now, there are times for face-to-face meetings, right? Yeah, they, I think you know, I'd love to get back to the point where I'm doing face-to-face meetings, but I think the days of me getting on the plane every single week and flying somewhere are gone for a number of reasons. One is it's, it's not necessarily efficient. The other is, you know, there's environmental factors, there's cost factors all around it. So I think employers just have to look at this through a different lens to what we used to look at it through, given what we've learned in the, in the course of the last number of months. Again, it's about doing that with compassion. It's about understanding the people's circumstances. People want to be successful and they'll make it work. If you have, if you have trust with them, you, you can work through it. And you know, in 99% of situations, you can come up with a workable solution. And I think that's the approach you know, employers have to take. And if some individual team members are experiencing any anxieties around this, how would you recommend leaders approach and manage these conversations? Everybody feels differently around... COVID itself, and then obviously around the circumstances that relate to, to looking after looking after children. And I think you have to treat every individual um, on a sort of case-by-case basis. I don't think we should be in a situation at the moment, certainly not at the moment, where there are childcare challenges in, you know, in, in most countries. The world of work has not opened up fully in most countries. There's challenges around commuting in and out of work in major cities, especially if you're relying on public transport. I think it has to be led by the employee and what they're comfortable with and what they can commit to, rather than being a mandated approach on returning to work, regardless of situation or how you feel personally about COVID-19. I mean, you may be living, I don't know, in some European countries, it's quite common to be living with your grandparents. You might not necessarily want to be going back into the office if you if you you know if you think there's potentially a risk of of, of transmitting um, COVID at some point, right? So I think I think empathy is is probably a a, a very good guiding principle, uh, especially at the moment. And, and then we'll have to see how things evolve, right? Who knows what the the next month, three months, six months is going to bring? We we never anticipated this situation. It could go away as quickly as it's landed, and everything's back to you know business as usual. We may have to learn to live with this for a long time. And Gail, as we enter a new era of work, and given all we've learned and experienced during lockdown, do you think there will be a positive change in the flexibility offered to working parents in the future? I do, absolutely. I think what this has taught us is that actually people can be really productive at home, even if they're looking after children. And I think that this sort of more blended life, you know, not just looking at it as work and family, but actually blending those two together can really actually unlock, I think, potential and productivity and creativity. I felt very creative working at home, actually, with my children. I also have found that actually being surrounded by your kids reminds you of your motivation to work hard. I'm a pretty motivated person anyway. For a lot of us, being in such proximity with our children reminds us all of we keep focused on why we're doing this. I really do think there's going to be a positive change because of I think, as James said, we never anticipated this happening. 
but actually I think it taught us all that we can we can genuinely be be productive and in some ways be more creative so I hope so I hope there'll be a positive change. Thank you both very much. James, we would like to end this podcast with a question that we ask all of our guests. What do you think are the three qualities that make a good leader? And crucially, do you think these qualities have changed as a result of the pandemic? A very big question. So I'll go back to just the previous answer there. I think empathy to employees' circumstances and their well-being would have been important prior to the pandemic, but I think even more so now. You hear feedback from lots of people who work for different organisations. Most leaders have taken an empathetic approach towards it, right? Trying to put themselves in the same shoes that their employees are in. But there's some that haven't. And that very clearly has come through as well, where there hasn't been an understanding of those circumstances and and the, the impact it's had on those individuals. So for me, empathy may not have been number one previously, but I think it's, it's been incredibly important and has really brought it into focus for me, the, 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 the crisis. The second skill, I'd, well, the, you know, the quality I'd be looking at would be probably communication, because things have moved so quickly and continue to move quickly. And you see what happens when we get communication wrong and the impact it has, right? And you also see the benefits when you get it right. And people feel as though that they are are being kept in the loop to what's going on and what steps the organization is taking. Again, that's you know, a critical skill of, of any leader and it's very, very important. But I think, you know, this is very much brought it in, into the spotlight, you know, the ability to make feel, people feel in, in uncertain times that their leaders uh, have a plan and they're able to articulate that to them. Finally, the same question to you, Gail. What do you think are the three qualities that make a good leader? And do you think these qualities have changed since the beginning of the pandemic? I think it's really interesting because I thought about my answer and it was really interesting just listening to James talk because I was I was really nodding away thinking I agreed with so much of what he said and and funnily enough I'd come up with actually very very similar things to what he'd said yes I think those qualities have come far more into focus I think they were important but I think they've definitely come into much sharper focus since the beginning of the pandemic I call it being actively supportive. There's a guy called Simon Sinek and he has a phrase and it's it's saying leadership is taking care of those in your care. And what I mean by being actively supportive is, is actually proactively asking people, how are you feeling? It's about being actively available to people to help them with things that are important to you. You know, if, even if as the leader, it's not that important to you, if it's important to the employee actually being available confronting you if they're concerned, not just waiting for you to, to to go to them. That's what I mean by actively supportive, but also being honest with you if, if there's things that you need to know or you, that you need to confront. And I think actively supportive to me means both literally and metaphorically standing next to you in the good times and bad, but you always know that they've got your back and they've got your best interests at heart. And I think being supportive, which isn't just, you know, sugarcoating everything. It's being honest. But I think that to me is is so important. I agree. My second point was so similar to James's. For me, it's being having very clear vision and communicating it. And that is pretty much what James also said. Things have been changing so quickly. Having your eyes to the horizon and being really clear about what it is, where you're going and being, you know, calm, but clear. 
I think is really important. So I agree with James's point about communication. And then interestingly, for my third, I've come up with something quite similar to James again in terms of that, that real softer element. And what I just thought of, which was I just called it being human. I think that during the course of this, you know, there have to be moments where you show your sense of humour, but also show your emotional intelligence. And that's what being human's about. I think there's moments where you just have to laugh, you know, and, and there's moments that, you know, that James and I have been in with our kids that you've just, you've just got to laugh because you've just got to get on with it. Being human is also about showing your emotional intelligence. And I think that's what James was talking about. He's talking about the empathy side you know, knowing and understanding that people are going through this in different ways and have got different challenges. We're talking about kids today, but actually there's colleagues of ours that are struggling who don't have children for different reasons. So I think it's really important that a good leader will show that emotional intelligence of understanding that that it's not been easy. There's times where it's been great, but it's that balance between the two. Thank you both so much for your time today. Really appreciate it, um, especially after hearing about how, how much of a juggle your days can be. I especially appreciate the time spent talking to us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hayes Worldwide Leadership Insights Podcast. If you found this advice useful, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. At the same time, if you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via email at socialmedia@hayes.com. At